Welcome to your favorite YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. We are a daily YouTube channel. We got more than 1,400 videos that are live uh, right now, new vids every day. So we might have talked about your faves. Uh, hit the little magnifying glass on the front page of the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel. Pop in the titles for your favorites. And if we have not talked about your faves, please put something in the comments so that we can get those books to rise on our uh, to-read piles. We also have a Patreon for our supporters to mitigate the kayfabe effect. The King Kayfabers are hanging out with us right now in a live stream chat room as we're recording these, these videos. They're getting all the vids before anybody else. And uh, sometimes these books we talk about, they go out of print or become very, very expensive. So it's a shot to get the books uh, before anybody else. This is going to be on the inside. But today we're going to be looking at the uh, Graham Ingalls EC Stories Artist Edition. Uh, they've been making these artist editions for quite some time. Uh, they sort of got things popping off with like the Rocketeer and the Wally Wood. And uh, I do not have that wood one. We need to look at the Wally Wood one. Hey, I lingered on this cover just to look because we all often talk about the textures that the EC artists all employ. This dry brush edges is something I haven't seen before. It's really organic. I think Ingalls brings some of that to the table that uh, sets him apart from some of, really from everybody, but from, from his peers at EC. Um, but I also wanted to focus on like that cover image is striking. Oh, it yeah. may be the best artist edition cover I've seen so far. That is really shit, man. You know, like an actual, like sitting here looking at this thing full size. What a cover image. When I heard that they were going to be doing the Graham Ingalls artist edition sometime, sometime ago, this is a cover that I absolutely wanted to see the original for because of the very interesting color that was uh, done because there's a lot of like greens and blues and browns connecting. Uh, I assume that it was Marie Severin, but there's so much modeling and things happening on that cover that I think maybe Graham might have had some some uh, hand in that. And uh, what you're seeing with this red, the, that's uh, calling out holding lines. So uh, they'll be coloring up to that edge, but probably leaving this, you know, skull colored or something. That's an amazing image. It's, it's very striking. I love these things at this size and some pop more than others. You know, like we talk about the end pages all the time. Wow, what end pages, you know, what drama. That quintessential Ghastly Graham Ingalls face. Everybody has that face. He's kind of droopy, diamond, almond eyes. Same kind of proportions, all that feathering and lighting. Uh, this is something that Bernie Wrightson would certainly employ in his work. He's like a mixture of of Frazetta and uh, Ingalls. Yeah, this hand could be right out of a Wrightson, this hand. Yeah. His predominant title was The Haunt of Fear, where the uh, old witch was the, uh, the the main horror host of uh, of that title. And he created the iconography of like what the, the, uh, the old witch becomes. Because like when you got somebody with an aesthetic approach like Graham Ingalls, it's, it's, it's born for horror. It's pretty interesting to see this kind of paste up on the lettering, the title lettering there. Well, yeah. I guess not title lettering, but that kind title of, of the story lettering. It's neat because it's kind of measured, right? But at the same time, it's not straight. Right. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Yeah. But he has like such a, it's like a wet style. He's, Everything looks humid. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, He's the zombie guy, you know, like they would, they would write the stories for the artists mm -hmm. and uh, with Graham Ingalls, you want rotting flesh. You see a fair amount of that dry brush technique, 
Which again, I just don't see that much on the other uh, EC guys. And you know what? It doesn't exactly translate oh, it to sure the, it the, print. the printed page. So, <laughs> so this is like one of those artist editions that uh, like we're, we're very lucky to be able to get to see this stuff. I'm looking at the complication of that right there. Like, what does that look like in print? Yeah, I, I can't imagine this stuff printing on newsprint. I feel like we say that with every EC edition, but it's it's so true. Like the density of marks always surprises me it's it's why you kind of have to have these you know like if you're if you're a real ec head you really you know the russ cochran's do a great job because it prints directly from the original plates and stuff really strange patterns on that drapery it's all practical though uh ingles almost never used other materials so he's getting all of his gray tones just just with that brush <laughs> I guess the vegetation is going ham on the people in this uh, <laughs> story. Look, we're going a little Evil Dead 1. Amazing. What I think this might indicate is uh, I think a lot of those guys would do their lettering themselves for, for, for their, their titles and stuff, and I, I, don't, I don't think he's very interested in that. This video is brought to you by the books that we make. My upcoming releases include 1986, a zine celebrating the biggest year in comics history, True Crime Funnies, BW Zine. My next release is Street Angel Princess of Poverty from Image Comics coming this November. Street Angel Deadly Girl Alive and Hulk Grand Design are both available now wherever books are bought and sold. Ed Piscor's upcoming releases include Hip Hop Family Tree, The Omnibus, X-Men Grand Design Trilogy, reprinting all three of the X-Men Grand Design books and Red Room, available in two trade paperbacks, as well as the current series, Crypto Killers. And now back to the video. When you start to see these kind of pieces, man, that's another Wrightson approach where like, Wrightson would create those like monsters that come straight out of there. And hopefully we look at like the specific covers where like the Unmen or whatever those guys are called, the Annie Men come from. Heavy on the whiteouts here yeah you do see a fair amount of white media it's it, weird when it's in margins yeah like what are you knocking out there you know i think just smudges you know because like that stuff might show up you know and so maybe the the margin ones might not even be him but that could be but when you see the white out in the artwork it's an indicator that the guy gives a fuck which you couldn't take for granted uh in these these early days but we said it before ec paid the best so they wanted some uh, proficiency on the page for sure. I feel like Ingalls knows too much about like rotting flesh, you know, like dehydrated raisin eyeballs and stuff like that. Like his dad was a coroner or something. Yeah. And he tagged along and brings son to work day. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would do that. So kind of like, you know, that, that part of fast times at Ridgemont high at the end, man, where they're like going to a, to the hospital and, and looking at you know drunk driver victims and stuff like that like I, th I think that was a thing that was done my, my dad had stories about going through that kind of stuff there's your blow-up panel for your end pages in the front too interesting choice of all the dynamic imagery we're gonna see just like a quiet still moment yeah it is really interesting you know how do you like, pick from a hundred of these pages it's true you know five six hundred panels to choose from you will see uh, actual EC horror host drawings that Wrightson does. I think for even for a uh, comics journal in like the 70s that sort of take from this kind of image. This is something I would steal from these guys is you see like those obvious black and white but then when you get back into like these other elements that are just gray even though they're literally black and white but they read as gray. Yes. 
I think that's a, uh, a technique that I don't see that often in contemporary comics, but and it's, I don't know why not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's worth noting and it's worth paying attention to. You know, I'm, I'm working in black and white for the, for the first time in a, in a long, long time, so I have to make note of this kind of thing. And it sort of functions as focal points, like clearly this sure. is in focus, clearly this is in focus, and this stuff, not as important. And by the way, you can do those grays. There's a thousand ways to make grays. Yeah. You know, it's not like you got to copy that one method. Messy artist, you know, like I, I, I bet a lot of this schmutz, you know, this coffee and stuff, man. I, I bet you that's that's Graham. You always love like a big, big thumbprint there. <laughs> Dude, we're going to be able to get into Graham's iPhone now. <laughs> that's pretty funny lettering. Right. That's like real outsider. You know, Rory Hayes might have lettered, <laughs> might have stolen that one. That's why he used the balloon font paste-ups, man. I wonder if they had morgue files to figure out, like, character designs and stuff. I bet he didn't, because, because all his guys kind of look the same. The morgues were deep, though, back then, man. You know, it's such a part of your business, like... You know, you'd, you'd have to allocate time per week for just putting your morgues together. This is one of the pieces that I was hoping would be in here. Right? Uh, you could imagine, it doesn't look far off when it's in print, but mm -hmm. you could imagine that like a young Wrightson sees that. It's spectacular. And sets him on a path. Because there's like even, uh, there's like those uh, Pacific comics, Bernie Wrightson, Masters of the Macabre, and like all the cover images that they chose have imagery that's like this, where like the the gray is kind of going with the plane of the face and that's really rich that it's doing that but that kind of gray hatch style i feel like there's a whole school of guys that have come up that do that yeah it's yeah. such an attractive thing when you start seeing this like as a kid i remember copying this kind of thing like when i would start to see it because it looked so cool and it was like you look close and goes a bunch of parallel lines I should be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really got to understand the forms like like that's what it all boils down to you got to understand the exact planes of of how everything connects and and that's kind of the fun thing as a viewer to like pay attention to you know you could learn a lot about drawing by just studying that stuff this is this is a exceptional strip uh this another is another one of those great line rendering i believe this is one of the stories that showed up in the uh the old russ cochran's that were like ganged up or mm -hmm. 64 pages man that's a great page those open panels on the sides yeah, geez, this is almost Wrightson. Like, you, you really can see the influence on Wrightson and panel like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's nearly the um, Frankenstein monster. Yeah. But then he could do this incredible foliage. You know, like, when I was seeing this kind of approach, uh, Tottlebin came to mind. And then, you know, that's a similar approach to uh, the foliage and stuff in those Swamp Thing comics, which, by the way, that would be a fantastic artist. It'd be the best. There's, a, there's the, the uh, Miracle Man... Get Scott on the phone. <laughs> there's that Miracle Man <laughs> artist edition, and it's got a little toddle bin, but it's like steeped far more heavy into the Gary Leach and stuff. But man, a Bassett toddle bin swamp thing. Yeah, anytime I've seen any of those, once in a while, um, Bassett will post a page or two on online. You'll see them. I think there's a, a spread at uh, Billy Ireland yes, that we've is, looked man. at. Yeah, that stuff would be really rich. This makes me wonder, like, do you know where Ingalls is from? Like, he had to have spent some time in, I don't know, the Bayou, the Everglades, somewhere, right? That's a good question, man. How do you man. fake this? That's a good question. This is great. It almost looks oily. He, he, you know, he earned that ner that name Gasly uh, in, in, in massive ways with every strip that he did. He certainly did some of the more grotesque 
EC Comics, and it was in that, like, 1980s issues of Blab, where Dan Klaus is doing, like, look at that right there, man. Like, <laughs> get Frederick Wortham on the phone. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to the Keefalver hearings right now, man. Even this, you know, is a nice touch. It's <laughs> kind of upsetting. <laughs> but, uh, what I was going to say was, um, what were we talking about? Oh, uh, there was that Klaus illustrated I issue of Blab where it was like the famous alcoholics of uh, of comics and Ingalls was one of them and, and the kind of uh, text that went along with the Ingalls piece was that he was so shamed and embarrassed after all those Senate subcommittee hearings and stuff that he just went into obscurity completely denounced all this work though in the 70s I think he, he did like amazing oil paintings of like the old witch and stuff did he go into commercial illustration? I don't know. It seems like he must have done something that continued in the arts if he's coming back to oil paintings. He he, he got out of comics, later. that's for sure. But all these guys, you know, certainly the ones that wouldn't transcend in, into uh, like the Two-Fisted Tales and, and, and that sort of stuff, they they feel less like comic book artists and much more like illustrators. And I, and I, do, I do put Ingalls in that camp. Um, because the, the the art of drawing EC comics is not the art of comic book making, really. It's it's really doing single page illustrations for the text above. Great rain. And he's he's that brush slinger, dude. You know, probably using one tool for all of this. Mm. Such mood, huh? Yeah. Hitting that razor to uh, wipe off that ink. It's really great too watching the rain. It's going like back you know, these different directions as you go through the story it really feels almost like that wind. You, you nailed it with atmosphere, but it feels like that storm going through the night. This is something I pay attention to, man. Like uh, when you see windows, like what do you see through windows mm -hmm. and, and how do you uh, communicate that? And that's a pretty, pretty strong approach. I think that's pretty sharp too. Like lightning is something you see in a lot of comics and having the, the water on the road white from the lightning. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. I don't remember seeing that too often or you know i can't think of another example like that except in real life like yeah. that's pretty good nighttime the way that reflects in headlights <laughs> another good example too of like this could have been a simple panel for anybody but like there's still a lot of work there's there's an hour of work being done on that panel at least if you look at we've looked looked at several of these you'll see those car shots yeah you know that outside car shot and it always makes me think like that's the morgue reference you know right. that's that's your car ad that <laughs> Because right. it's a very similar image, at least of the car part. Another one of these examples of the through the window yeah. shot, like how like how do you sell the glass? Such a classic, you know, through the windows. Real master of texture, and it's a very specific kind of texture. Uh, Ingalls is one of those guys that where you can isolate a piece of an image that's not a face, and I I could tell that it's him. Doesn't it look like he might have cribbed Kniff for this? Yeah, there's some Kniff looking shadows there, brushwork. It's interesting to see his work like this because of his obvious brush use. Yeah. And yet it feels very different than when I think of classic brush inkers. He's got a lot that he's doing that's his. Look at what the Leroy letterers showing off right there, dude. Yeah, they are. He's doing sing-songy. Like that. Just even having the shit line up is a feat unto itself. Yeah, I started a video with that, <laughs> trying to show that Leroy lettering and 
Well, nobody's seen that video because uh, it's, it's hard. not easy to do. Yeah, it's so funny because like for for Boing Boing, I did a video of like methods and materials years ago, and when I pulled that out, I'm like, let's just cut this part out. Yeah, that was what what I ended up. <laughs> and I've I've used the tool for uh, like uh, the box set for Hip Hop One, but I took the letter forms I made and I fixed them in Photoshop to just like reorient them better. You can see a little bit like some of this this caption I think is a little bit rough in places for that you know you can see this the kerning and stuff being a little bit funny yeah but just getting like it's pretty tight the like the lines I just I, I never figured out like I, when I got the artist editions I was hoping I would be able to figure that part out through guidelines that they put down but but I just don't look at that do a little sketch I wonder if they had you know some of the the drafting stuff you can lock your roller right. or straight edge I don't know how else you could be this straight if you don't have like, you know, lock it in, do your line, move it to the next line, lock it in again. Cause right. it is like tight. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like doing a, a straight line is no problem. Cause you just hold down, you could just hold down your T square. No problem. But it's the space in between that, that is like the real trouble for me, but probably like anything else you do it enough times. Well, that's true. You figure it out, dude, this is almost like that famous Jennifer story. Yeah. It's almost the design is corresponds. The Jennifer story being uh, one of uh, the famous Bernie Wrightson Warren strips. I, I think I think we might have done a specific video on just that. <laughs> Look at that, dude! Wasn't there a recent movie that that like that's the big punchline? <laughs> I didn't. There's see like it. a vestigial twin. It was it was right before COVID happened. Yeah, there should be. Very pulpy. You know, magazine cover type illustration there. That's very classic lettering, that spider. Yeah. And and this kind of lettering would always be with with his stuff. So so like I guess that's you know, that's that's what you get with a uh, Graham. Man, his his pages are so grey. When you when you pull yourself away, like like uh it's almost hard to decipher the focal points. You can't sleep on the white webs being used like over their heads and stuff. That is such a disgusting looking spider. Yeah, dude, it looks fat. Fat with lantern fly bloods, dude, and and really going heavy with the uh, the webs. So it's like a through the web shot, man. Pretty pretty sharp. And he and he shows you a few different approaches to that. If he's working in order, maybe he thinks that man, maybe this is too much. Like let me let me use black line and see what that looks like. These are the decisions you have to make sometimes, and and you got to you got to see it in action before you decide on what's what. I wonder where all this artwork came from because there's a lot of difference in the color of the pages yeah it's true there's there's a bunch of names like mentioned. these weren't stored together yeah you see a bunch of names up top um so so uh that lets you know that yeah, must have broken up a lot before this got to the, the artist edition collection point yeah there you go with your white webs everywhere yeah dude poor marie severin how do you color that what are we looking at yeah the stephen platt of the 50s <laughs> You know what, go back one page. Yes, sir. I love this use of stretching a body across two panels. Right. I think that's really inventive for how restrictive the yes. layouts of EC Comics were. You know, like, for people at home, like, you would get them, the panel borders are ruled and lettering's in place. Yeah, you so, can see that. You know, you have to kind of, like, figure out ways to make that interesting, especially if you're going to do something that stretches like that across a couple of panels. Foreshortening, man, that's a tool we don't see uh, often employed in the EC works. 
little different on your line work here too. Yeah, it's just it's 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 the opposite of what we were talking about. Like it's just going in one direction, but he's also giving you highlights and stuff in white. Do you know if he worked in a studio with anybody or if he had any assistance? Yeah, I don't. His stuff is uh, you would call it gothic horror. You know, it's very Victorian age, like eighteen hundreds type uh, settings. Great waters. All that water is very rich. I mean, it's throughout this story. Yeah. I always admire people that nail that because it looks so good in black and white, but kind of an abstract, difficult thing to draw. The You're great, making some real decisions. The great illustrators that the EC guys pulled from, the Piles, the Wyeths, so much uh, water scenes. So there was a great kind of amount of resource to pull from. And whenever I got to do water, I, I look at this stuff. ambitious angles too these like real low low angles you mentioned evil dead earlier i feel like this is a sam raimi-esque kind of thing you know having those weird angles it, it, it works well with horror for setting it does. a mood yeah especially if you got some kind of chud that's about six inches high let you know it's coming what is this here man some kind of quilt it's interesting that still looks like a graham ingles piece Maybe the pace-up was on top of that. I think it might have been because yeah. that picture frame is intact. Yeah, right. How about that for a car in motion? I don't think of Ingalls as doing like cars and dynamic cars, but that looks great. Yeah. The lettering effects too really help. It's probably a good example of using lettering, you know, to aid your illustration. The, okay, this is cool, man. This is the uh, wow. this is the EC Picto Fiction books. So, like, when Mad becomes a magazine, they try to spin off the EC Primo titles into magazine format, also, and that's what we're looking at here. The illustrations for that. These guys, these guys, they they went extra on the illustrations there, and because it was printed on better paper, presumably, um, they would use different materials and things. Oh, so this is a this is a redo of an old EC strip. Like I remember this one, man, where the dude's vestigial twin. He's like a two-headed monster. I'm excited to see what the uh, second head looks like. <laughs> the goofus and gallant. Is that a duo shade kind of board? Uh, no. You know, with the uh, with the. Uh, no, kill kill like pattern. Oh, you know what? Maybe it is. Because I see like two layers on, yeah, on the right. sky. You can see it, but I never see um, duo shade like that. But it, 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 it is the it yellow exists. orange color. Right. Well, I know it exists, but I just never see it. And it doesn't have that like orangish color that I associate with duo shade. Right. Yeah, like that sepia tone. It's crazy to go from that back to this. This is <laughs> our early one. Yeah, this is our early one. And once again, speak it to like how the fuck do they orient these things? We found out it's it's a uh, alphanumeric by title, which let's say let's say in uh, in Fantasyland, Jimmy, there's a Marvel Grand Design Artist Edition. You don't put the fucking X Men Grand Design Extinction before X Men Grand Design Second Genesis. It comes third. Because it is like this is so much older than the piece we saw, and if we treat this My package, would definitely be to start chronologically. If we approach this package as a monograph for Graham Ingalls, you do it in order from the date of production. It's just it's fanboy mentality to uh, go alphanumeric. 
because that's what it is in your fucking long boxes or whatever. She can set that mood, man. And you get this, right? Like it's the snow that's on mm-hmm. the window Looking sill. the window from the outside. It's a great piece of observation. I wonder if people still have that everywhere. I feel like I grew up in, you know, Redneck Mountains where, where that made sense. Yeah. Windows were almost like a cabin or something. I don't know if that's normal for windows everywhere or not. The Grim Fairy Tales were almost exclusively for Jack Kamen to do something. But maybe this is this is a Grim Fairy Tale, so maybe it's the first one. That's the thing, reading these all out of order. We often talk about how hard it is to do animals. A lot of, a lot of rat action here yeah, in close-up. And it looks right? Yeah, it looks good. Hard to do. It's one thing to draw a static animal, but animals like running around and doing animal things not easy nice silhouette it's interesting that he like lends to this kind of like prince valiant era type stuff because like that just seems like a headache amount of reference that you need to have to like draw that kind of shit like a period piece you mean oh yeah of this of this kind of period real easy to get stuff wrong and he always feels right but then you know like could handle his modern day stuff a guy who could draw a good chandelier i always give props yeah, I wouldn't want to draw one. I think stair- staircases. I have a great admiration for a good staircase. Yeah, for sure. Some more sketch work, man. Always happy to see that. Yeah, it's one of the great bonuses of seeing the original art pages. <laughs> he does this effect a few times, like a circle kind of line around stuff. Yeah, just like that haze. I think that looks really sharp. <laughs> More of those winter windows. Look at this, Jimmy. <laughs> they don't call them ghastly for nothing. No, I'll say. It's about as perverse as it can get. Yeah, it's worse. You know, you have your kid as a character. And and it is, no, that's bad news. You know, you cannot give unanimous praise if you're really critical. His kids are the scariest kids ever. Like, he, he does not draw a good kid. They look like small men. You know, that's a pretty good one right there, though. Like, it really looks like adult infant baby syndrome. He does very good eyes. I've been staring at the eyes the last maybe dozen pages. Yeah, they're these kind of droopy. Yeah, they're these very droopy. I always wonder if people use templates to get, like, perfect circles. Yeah. You know, for the irises and stuff. I don't think that he does, but they're very, very good. You know, same size, well-rounded. You know, to to some extent, I don't know where this lies in, in his uh, body of work, um, but some of the inking here is a little bit more loose, and it reminds me of the inking that they tell you don't do in How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. You know, you know that, that sequence where it shows the three different inking approaches? Mm-hmm. This is like hatching everywhere. The heavy one. The heavy one. Maybe it works for if you're doing horror. Yeah. That's the caveat they should add in the next... Well, here's the thing. In the 42nd printing of How to Draw Comics the Marvel This is the loosest of all the strips, and it's kind of all over the place. Now, when you get to see a big single image, that's that's where you get your money's worth. And this one had very interesting color, too. See, these these make me think that maybe Graham colored his his covers. Because, like, this one had very crazy color. 
about that for a window? Yes, sir. <laughs> Getting that drapery accurate, you really got to understand what's underneath there and how the planes work. Like, just like a really solid illustrator. I, I would have to imagine that he used a little reference. Had to set somebody up. I don't. I, I would like to rule this out and see if the perspective's accurate because these two look parallel. Yeah, it looks like symmetric. Yeah, maybe even these ones. But yeah, it works, weird. you know. It works great. But it points to, I, I don't think you always need accurate perspective in comics. And sure. I think sometimes super accurate perspective actually ruins the comic illusion. Sure. Yeah, extra boring sometimes. Get more and more comfortable with those uh, color holds, huh? For that soupy sky. Commented on that plenty. Wow, look at that banister. I wonder if people watch these videos and go, who gives a shit about stairs? <laughs> they're hard to build, they're hard to draw. Yes, sir. And double lighting with a brush. Mm -hmm. This is that uh, learning to draw 101, lighting a sphere and drawing it. <laughs> this is great, like the rendering on, on her leg I really like, but a lot of this rendering just pops. Yeah, he's a good compositional guy. Yeah, awesome choices. The, like the focal points are never in question. Look at that, man. We we got we got to call the Senate to to order when you see some shit like this. Very Lovecrafty. The details that he loads in on just the objects. Absolutely, man. I was looking at the chalkboards and everything. Keys. Yeah, like the most ornate kind of locks. That lock and bolt. There's so many moments there where it just feels like Wrightson to me. Yeah. You know, Wrightson had to be taking notes looking at this stuff. Oh, yeah, no, no, no question. A lot of the dry brush here. Yep. Boy, that rain is almost Eisner-esque. Straight up and down, using some weight. Maybe the for rent sign helps me think that, too. Yeah, yeah, with the, with the uh, serif. This is a cool idea for an artist edition, like banging out a bunch of the, the title pages. Yeah, you know, this, this, there's precedent for this. a couple of them. Because one of the first things that uh, Russ Cochran um, published, it would be like a big print. It would have the cover, and on the back, it would have a splash page. I like that. So that might be like the first stuff that he, he licensed off of uh, Gaines. Look at that, dude. That paper cement hasn't held up just so much motion in the atmosphere you, you you never see that yeah and what a contrast to this totally it, it just feels like it's about 114 degrees there yeah dude and it's totally it's, it's parallels it's a grid it's 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 a horizontal and vertical and this thing is diagonal once again the great eyes another example of just like master of texture you're never confused about what anything is, man. And the, and the thatched roof is different than the boggy trees, which is different than this water texture and these like you know, willows or whatever. There's the man, JFK looking motherfucker. Ingalls eventually left comics and began a teaching career, most notably with the famous artist correspondence school in Connecticut. Mm. That face feels really accurate. It feels like if you uploaded it to Facebook back in the day when they would like auto tag people, that might tag somebody and offend them really a lot. It'd be hilarious to do that and see pen lines. Yeah. All these fine lines are pen lines. 
and dashed out real quick but that's a small image yeah very cool yeah that's awesome Jimmy it's we gotta get that Wally Wood one under the microscope sooner than later it was my first one it's the one that got me hooked Good. you know that was my uh, <laughs> that, that that was it that's what got me onto the <laughs> the artist edition fix Okay, favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available. We are a daily YouTube stream, uh, so take a look at our catalog. There's a search box. If you hit the magnifying glass on the front page of the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel, you'll be able to see uh, what we've covered. You'll be able to search for your favorites, and if we did not talk about your favorite comics, make sure you put something in the comments so that we get those comics a little bit higher on our to-read piles. We have a Patreon for the King Kayfabers to mitigate the Kayfabe effect. There might not be very many of these Ghastly Grim Ingalls Artist Editions out there any longer, man. So uh, the King Kayfabers are getting their first shot at getting uh, the copies that might still be in stores and uh, the cheapest copies on eBay, Amazon, places like that. Ultimately, the videos are brought to you by the books that we make. And uh, it's time, people. The Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is is uh, going to be in stores in October, which means your comic shop needs to order it right away. 504 pages, 140 pages of extras. Uh, the pre-ordered people online who don't have good comic shops have claimed a lot of these. So you cannot take it for granted that this will just show up at your shop. You gotta let your comic shop owners know to us to stock this in time for, uh, for its release on October 18th. November comes X-Men Grand Design Trilogy Trade Paperback. This is going to be paperback size smaller than the the big Eddie P size books but it's gonna include all of my X-Men Grand Design works uh, it's some of those volumes are out of print so this will be your way to get all those comics uh, in, in one fell swoop Red Room is the current focus two trade paperbacks of Red Room are out there right now trigger warnings and the anti-social network that have some EC inspiration uh, <laughs> by, by the way you think? <laughs> Each story is completely self-contained, uh, but there is a new round of Red Room comics that are out there, and uh, Crypto Killers is the last miniseries. As of now, I have the comps for the first three, but uh, four issues might be out by the time you watch this video. The third issue has this backup feature that um, is the first appearance of the characters that I'm going to be covering in my daily comic strip, so make sure you grab this one because it's kind of a hot key. And the daily comic strip is on my Patreon right now. I'm going to release it to the wider world January 1st. 2024 but you can uh check out the first couple episodes right now i put new strips up every tuesday jimmy what do you have time to order street angel princess of poverty from image comics it'll be out in november but pre-orders are available now at your local comic shop princess of poverty collects all the street angel comics that are not in deadly scroll live also from image comics together these two will make a set of all of the street angel comics that i have made up to this point Hulk Grand Design, the treasury-sized edition, collects all of the Hulk Grand Design comics along with uh, some behind-the-scenes and some greatest hits of the Hulk. That is out of print as far as I know, so pick that one up now while you can. And I have been making zines. The BW zine and 1986 zine both focused on the Black and White Explosion and the Just Greatest Year in Comics History, 1986, and True Crime Funnies, featuring three nonfiction stories, uh, including a very true true crime story but also a couple of wrestling yarns you can pick these up um right now on my patreon patreon.com slash jimrug or jimrug.com there are digital copies available there and uh print editions will be coming soon so keep following me to uh, see when those are available there are some other ways to support the channel jimmy if you let the people know you can subscribe to the cartoonist kfab newsletter at the links below this video 
You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, fanny packs, mugs, stickers, and lots more at our spread shop. That link is also in the show notes under this video. All great ways to keep the channel going. Give them those marching orders, Jimmy, and we'll be on our way. Make more comics.